0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And as you can tell from the thumbnail and of course, by the logo on your screen, we've got a pretty massive update to the Activision Blizzard saga. Now, if you haven't been following this, as I do at the start of these videos, please do check out our playlist, Everybody vs. Activision Blizzard, A Legal View. But for purposes of this conversation, which is, again, very, very massive in terms of an update as to what Activision Blizzard is seeking from the court. The most important thing to look at is a video that we did a little while ago called CA's Case Destroyed by the EEOC. Now, if you're on YouTube regularly, you're probably used to seeing the word destroyed, maybe some big red arrows, maybe a shocked face on the thumbnail. I am very much Not of that type when I put together my thumbnail. So the fact that the word destroyed was used by me was indicative of a belief on my behalf that what the EEOC elected to do in defending the settlement agreement that it had entered into with Activision from an intervention by the state of California was potentially arming Activision Blizzard with the ability to challenge much of their own case that was brought against them by California. Now you can check out that video. It's about an hour long. I also wound up doing something on this channel, pulling out what is the very, very important part in about 18 minutes, the EEOC's ethics complaint, which you can check out if you have a little bit more limited time. Suffice it to say, we're going to dive into the specifics here because Activision Blizzard is going to be talking about it. But the EEOC said to California, when California tried to stop the EEOC from entering into a settlement with Activision Blizzard, that, hey, you can't do that. Not only can you not do that, But some of our people went over to the state of California, is currently working for them in the same capacity that they worked for us against Activision, and that's a conflict of interest. And if you aren't a lawyer, if you aren't in a professional services capacity, a conflict of interest is a massive, massive problem. There are rules in every jurisdiction, really in the world, but certainly in the United States, that prevent you from going from one party to another, from working adversely against that party, or even on the same side because confidentiality is so important. So one of the things I said when I talked about this issue on my channel was that this was effectively the EEOC's nuclear option that because the state of California had attempted to intervene with their own settlement, they were going to effectively make an argument against California that if true might be used by Activision Blizzard to get out of their own case against California, because if there is this ethics violation, then the entire investigation might be tainted. And there's a lot to understand in terms of the facts on the ground there, which is why what we see today from Activision Blizzard is not just trying to kick the case out outright, but instead is a request to stay the proceedings, to pause the case while they're allowed to investigate this brand new issue. Before we get into the specifics, I do want to give a hat tip to Steven Totillo, who's doing great work over at Axios, who finds these things before I can find them, and found this before it showed up in the Los Angeles court system. So very, very impressive from him. He says, Activision is asking the courts to pause California's sweeping misconduct lawsuit so that it can look into allegations by the EEOC that California's lawyers committed ethical violations. More to come, and we found the case here in virtual legality so that you don't have to. And this is not so easy fine. It's not as easy as going to court listener, or some of the other places you've seen us discuss federal lawsuits, a little bit more hidden. Paid money to go get those documents for you, but get them I did so that we can talk about them with specificity. Here's Activision Blizzard. Please take notice that on October 20th, 2021, that's tomorrow to you and I, defendants Activision Blizzard will and here do apply ex parte to this court for a stay of the case so that the parties can address Newly surfaced allegations that counsel for plaintiff Department of Fair Employment and Housing, plaintiff or DFEH, have violated the California rules of professional conduct and the impact of such conduct in this matter. Ex parte means, hey, we're asking for this on an emergency basis. They shouldn't even get a chance to respond. This is a big deal, Your Honor. And this is, of course, the same way that California tried to issue a motion, tried to request for the court to intervene with the EEOC and Activision's settlement. So it's a little bit of coming back around to the state of California here with an ex parte motion. It's hard to say what the court will do. I don't know that it's likely that it'll happen tomorrow, but certainly this is a request for an expedited treatment. The other thing I will say before we dive further in is that in this document, you will see attorneys for Activision Blizzard given that hunk of meat that they wanted, given the ability to just dive in and tear away at the EEOC's arguments, impugn their good name, reference the fact that the implications are that the investigation itself might be tainted, all of that stuff. You're going to see counsel in full force here, armed by the EEOC. Activision Blizzard seeks an order tolling all deadlines. We want to pause on everything that we might have to turn in. But allowing for limited discovery by Activision Blizzard into the conduct of counsel for the DFEH to determine if facts supporting disqualification or other remedies exist and briefing to request any such relief with the court. And here they also offer to retain separate counsel if the court finds it to be advisable. It's unclear why Activision Blizzard's counsel might be disqualified in this kind of conversation, but certainly when you're talking about proceeding with a court case, this is a very unusual set of circumstances. Activision Blizzard is also simultaneously filing an objection to non-complex designation. I'll talk about that in just a second. If the case is deemed complex, as both plaintiff and Activision Blizzard have requested, The case will be immediately stayed until an initial case schedule is set. So the state of California has a specified court system that deals with what they call complex cases, or as defined here, a complex case is an action that requires exceptional judicial management to avoid placing unnecessary burdens on the court or the litigants and to expedite the case, keep costs reasonable and promote effective decision making by the court, the parties and counsel. And there are a number of factors that can arrive at being a complex case, but certainly intervening federal bodies and ethics complaints and all the things that you're seeing in this particular action could rise to that level. Complex is just a term used by the state of California to move things over that have specific difficulties moving through an ordinary court system. and So they don't want to get their court system bogged down when they could do 100 cases of a fairly simple nature. With one complex case that has all these motions and all these fights and huge amounts of money and lawyers and depositions and discovery and what have you, apparently both California and Activision have asked for this to be moved over to the complex case system. And if that does in fact happen, then according to Activision Blizzard here, there will be a stay. And it's not that unusual. I've pulled up another law firm's website here in California. Parties often overlook the fact that the courts have discretion to designate a matter as complex. So even two-party disputes can get assigned to the complex division when counsel can explain to the court at the outset why both the parties and the court would benefit from the enhanced case management found in the complex court system. So Activision Blizzard's complaining about the ethics. We know that. They're asking to have this moved over into the complex litigation set of courts in California, either of which, according to Activision Blizzard, We'll stay the proceedings. We'll put a pause on this. Now, if you've been following along with us here in Virtual Reality, you know one of the interesting things about this is that Activision Blizzard hasn't answered the complaint issued by the state of California and the DFEH. They've been doing various legal things, including telling the folks that they're going to file a demure, complaining about how the actual complaint is written by the DFEH before answering it, all these various things. And if this motion were granted, the entire process would be paused even further. Activision Blizzard continues saying good cause exists for their ex parte application because the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission only recently raised concerns of ethical violations in pleadings and declarations filed in federal court after the close of business on Friday, October 8th, 2021. Now we're going to get back to that, but this is actually an interesting potential hole in Activision Blizzard's argument. Second, If ethical violations did occur, then allowing the attorneys at the center of the violation to continue to prosecute the case against Activision Blizzard would continue to cause irreparable harm, both to Activision Blizzard and to the department's ability to prosecute this case. The department here being an entity and the department's lawyers being a group that the professional rules of conduct sees as a law firm that just works for the department. Activision Blizzard here is saying, your honor, not only would this harm us, because who knows how tainted this case is. It would harm the department because they're going down a road that would ultimately have to be rescinded. So let's get this answered now. Three, the stay requested would result in no prejudice to the department as the first amended complaint was just filed on August 23rd, 2021, which to you or I might sound like a fair distance ago, but not in the world of law. And no trial or other substantive motion dates have been set. And four, Activision Blizzard's response to the first Amendment complaint is due October 22nd, which Activision has said will be a demurrer, necessitating an early decision on this issue. Hey, we have to file a document in two days, court. We don't want to file that right now for reasons that you might think are good or ill, depending on how you feel about Activision Blizzard. We need to address this immediately. So they're asking for this motion to be looked at on the 20th. Then you get some references to the fact that they notified California of this, and then in case anybody thinks that that might be waiving their complaint says Activision Blizzard served department Counsel for the limited purpose of permitting them to respond to this application without waiving any ability to continue objecting on conflict grounds just so you know your honor we sent them this email because we should and because they should have an opportunity to respond should they deign to do so but we don't believe necessarily that they should be allowed to continue with this case now in terms of background we're going to go over a little bit of what we talked about in the earlier videos As described by Activision Blizzard last week, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission raised the issue of potential ethical violations by department counsel in a pleading filed in federal court in response to the department's request to intervene in the federal proceedings and object to the EEOC's resolution of its claims against Activision Blizzard. The EEOC claims that two of the department attorneys who have appeared in this case and who currently play leadership roles within the department previously served as EEOC redacted which is exactly the same language we used in our video, during which time they helped to direct the EEOC's investigation against Activision Blizzard. According to the EEOC, these attorneys' representation of the department in the federal case is prohibited by California rules of professional conduct, and this conflict is imputed to all department attorneys by virtue of California rules of professional conduct because of the department's failure to screen the individual attorneys. That was the nuclear option that the EEOC deployed against the state of California. In light of the serious nature of the allegations in the EEOC's filing, limited discovery into the facts concerning the alleged conflict of interest is appropriate. You might have noticed, Your Honor, that we just referenced what the EEOC said in their document, which, if you were here with us in virtual reality, you also know looks in places like a CIA document. It is so heavily redacted in respect of what these two individuals did while at the EEOC. And so Activision Blizzard says, we don't know. We have this document that the EEOC filed. That certainly looks bad. We need to stop this, prevent irreparable harm, and allow us to investigate exactly what's going on here. Given that the alleged conflict, if substantiated, may be disqualifying under California law, allowing limited discovery now, when the only pleadings the DFEH has filed are a complaint and an amended complaint, and hey, Activision Blizzard has filed no substantive motions or other pleadings at all, would save the parties in the court considerable time and resources. I just like the the chutzpah there to say, hey, hey, by the way, Your Honor, you might have noticed this. We haven't filed anything at all. We have just been moving back our answer period. So as it turns out, we could save everybody a lot of time and effort. If we just pause this right now, nobody's gone too far down this road. As of yet, certainly not us. For additional background, it says Activision Blizzard and the EEOC recently entered into a federal consent decree. That's a settlement agreement to you and I. The department opposes the federal consent decree and is taking positions directly adverse to the EEOC. The EEOC filed a response to the department's intervention motion. And in that response, the EEOC asks the court to disqualify the department from the federal action based on, as we mentioned, a heavily redacted set of allegations of ethical misconduct by department attorneys, which the EEOC claims violate California rules of professional conduct. Notice the positioning here by Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard is not asserting these things. It's not alleging unethical violation because they're asking to investigate. They don't know what they don't know. They just know the EEOC just fired off a document on this and they said, wow, that could be potentially very useful to our proceedings with this case. In addition to potential violations of California Rule of Professional Conduct 1.11, that's the conflict of interest. The EEOC's filing also raises a potential issue related to the department's counsel communications with Activision Blizzard employees that could reflect a separate violation of the California Rules of Professional Conduct. Two of the three attorneys representing the department in this matter sent an email to an unknown number of Activision Blizzard employees advising them against retaining private counsel. And we'll talk about that. We talked about it in the earlier video. I think there are ways that the state of California can kind of explain itself on that score that maybe aren't available to it with respect to the conflict of interest itself. Certainly, when we get to talking about that email, their language is inartfully drafted, but probably it's not the kind of fault that a court would find would disqualify the entire set of lawyers, maybe an admonishment, maybe a warning, that kind of thing, but not As bad as the conflict of interest complaint. As discussed further below, Activision Blizzard presently lacks the necessary factual information to assess the full impact of department counsel's alleged conduct on the pending matter. Given the potential ramifications on this case, if the EEOC's allegations are substantiated, which could include imputing a disqualifying conflict to all department attorneys, and in light of the early posture of this case, remember we haven't filed anything, An immediate stay to allow for limited discovery into this serious allegation is warranted. In addition, a stay is necessary to forestall plaintiff from arguing later in this case that Activision Blizzard waived potential conflicts by continuing to engage with counsel for the department, which Activision Blizzard will need to do if the case proceeds without a stay. And I think actually that's a very good point. Look, once you think the other side is prohibited from operating on that side's behalf, you can't talk to them. Because talking to them, proceeding with the case, is an implied kind of waiver. What Activision Blizzard is doing here is essentially filing a protest. If you're familiar with baseball or other sporting events, it says, we'll continue to kind of communicate them with right now on the understanding we're not waiving our complaints. We're dealing with this as soon as possible. EEOC made us aware of this on the 8th of October. It's the 19th of October. That's about as fast as lawyers can move. And so Activision Blizzard is filing this document to let the court know, hey, We don't know what we don't know. We don't agree that they should be allowed necessarily to represent their case. Then we get to what Activision Blizzard calls the legal argument. First, they say, hey, the court has the power to issue a stay. And certainly that's accurate. The the court has the power to do a lot of things in respect of the administration of court proceedings. So they say the court has the power to stay, especially if it would help keep things cost effective. We don't want to go down a court road that then has to be ultimately rescinded. Further, they say the EEOC's October 8th, 2021 federal court filing raises critical threshold questions regarding the conduct of the department's counsel and its impact on this matter, specifically with respect to the California Rules of Professional Conduct that we discussed. Moreover, as the EEOC argues in its filing, violation of these rules could lead to the disqualification of the two attorneys and also the entire group of department attorneys with whom they have worked. It also, and here's Activision sewing its oats a little bit calls into question the integrity of the underlying investigation itself, where one of the department attorneys in question was heavily involved and personally conducted numerous depositions. Now, first of all, as I said, Activision Blizzard here is sowing its oats. It's saying, your honor, this whole courtroom is out of order if this particular conflict has happened. But also, as I mentioned earlier, this presents one whole in Activision's logic that might ultimately come back against them. And if you're following along, note that I said that with respect to when they knew any of this happened, when it was a surprise. Here you see that department attorney in question, so Activision knows at least the identity of one of the redacted attorney's names, was heavily involved and personally conducted numerous depositions. We'll get back to that as we continue. Now, their first section here, the department's attorneys alleged ethical violations, if true, disqualify their participation, may disqualify other department attorneys, and may have tainted everything around us, is what you would expect. It follows along with what the EEOC said. It says, specifically, the rule prohibits attorneys who previously worked for one agency, here the EEOC, from later representing another agency, here the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, in connection with a matter in which the lawyer participated personally and substantially as a public official or employee for the prior agency unless the prior agency gives its informed written consent to the representation. The EEOC makes clear in its federal court filing that two of the attorneys currently representing the department in this case previously worked at the EEOC. B, those attorneys participated personally and substantially in the EEOC's independent investigation into alleged gender discrimination and harassment by Activision Blizzard. But C, The EEOC did not provide consent to those attorneys' current representation on behalf of the department, as is required under the rule that we're talking about. Now, as you can guess, the big fight here is going to be about B, that the attorneys participated personally and substantially in the EEOC's independent investigation. As we talked about, one of the initial responses that the state of California made to the EEOC when they were having this fight in early days was... No, EEOC, they didn't participate substantially over there, and so we didn't have to screen them coming over here to help us with our investigation. And I also mentioned that that might have been a winning argument, except that by the time you get to that meet and confer conference, the state of California has hired outside counsel to represent them in the intervention against the EEOC, which suggests that upon further review, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing looked at things and said, "Uh uh-oh, we might be in trouble here. That said, that's not evidence. It's just circumstantial. If it could be shown by the Department of Fair Employment and Housing that the folks that are being discussed here really didn't have that big of a role on the EEOC's side of the investigation, then that's a get out of jail for the Department of Fair Employment and Housing because they can come over if they were just, you know, in the office building, didn't really work on this at all. The EEOC would have to be lying in their own documents, which presents its own interesting set of facts. But if the department could show that, they would get out of a lot of this trouble. The facts alleged in the department's amended complaint here are the same as the facts alleged in the EEOC's federal court complaint. Here, Activision Blizzard is trying to show in footnotes five and six that the language used in the two complaints, especially on the sexual harassment component, where you do have that overlap, which remember is what upset the EEOC in the first place, is almost identical. Now, I don't know that that's a terribly convincing argument because there's only so many ways to state a redressable claim under a given law. So the fact that these look the same isn't so much an indicator of the same people working on it as the fact that in law, we don't really reinvent the wheel. But Activision Blizzard goes out with that here. They continue, furthermore, if what the EEOC alleges is true, the ethical violation and potential disqualification does not end with the two attorneys who previously worked on this matter during their time at the EEOC. On the contrary, If those two attorneys are disqualified under Rule 111-A, then Rule 111-B imputes their conflict to the entirety of the department unless the department timely screened the lawyers and promptly provided written notice to the appropriate government agency. According to the EEOC, neither occurred here. Certainly, the EEOC should be aware of whether or not they received a written notice, and if they didn't, then the whole rule falls apart and the department is in trouble. The critical question then, as Activision Blizzard puts it, and as we just discussed, is whether the attorneys in question, in fact, personally and substantially participated in the EEOC's investigation before they moved to the department. Clearly, the EEOC believes this to be the case. And Then they quote the EEOC. In sum, both attorneys participated directly and through active supervision and actions going to the heart of the merits of this matter. But many of the relevant facts contained in the EEOC's filing are redacted and thus unavailable to Activision Blizzard at this time. If you go back and watch the videos where we covered this, you'll see me say, yep, and here's where the EEOC alleges what these folks did for them, which they have redacted because it's attorney-client privilege. This is what the attorneys would have advised them on in respect of this matter. If a violation of 111 has occurred, then the integrity of the department's investigation itself, not just the prosecution of the current action, could be called into question. So so to be clear here, Activision Blizzard, as we just talked about, sowing its oats, says, Your Honor, not only is this whole courtroom out of order, we've been under investigation from these folks since 2018. The entire investigation might be tainted. Or as they say, the EEOC contends that the allegedly conflicted attorneys obtained confidential information about Activision Blizzard during their employment with the EEOC and at least one of those attorneys had significant involvement in the department's investigation of Activision Blizzard. That attorney conducted four depositions, signed six sets of discovery, and authored at least three meet and confer letters. So Activision Blizzard is providing us with some additional information here. And I'm also going to discuss what I think is a potential hole in their logic. That additional information is is that one of the named attorneys, remember there are two, both of whose names are redacted by the EEOC, at least one of them is on the letterhead for things like meet and confer letters or emails, was in charge of depositions, was a part of the investigation. So we know from Activision Blizzard's perspective that they were definitely a part of the Department of Fair Employment Housing's investigation. That can be assumed just based on what Activision Blizzard here says. But where the hole comes in their logic is we're talking about a conflict of interest based on the fact that these people that are doing this at the department also did it at the EEOC. Both times are which Activision Blizzard are under investigation. So Activision Blizzard, you would assume, could go look at their depositions and their investigations and their email materials and things like that and look for shared names. They wouldn't have done that necessarily without the EEOC making this complaint. But now they can make that ascertainment and that they didn't hear could be suggestive of the fact that maybe those folks didn't actually play as substantive a role at the EEOC as the EEOC has led on. We can't assume that federal agencies are big. You can still have a substantive role, essentially providing legal advice without being the frontward facing person on these kinds of things. EEOC teams are big and certainly it doesn't require you to be on the emails or doing the depositions or signing the meet and confer letters to be of substantive importance that would arrive at a conflict of interest. So it's, it's nothing that we can say for certain, but it does present an interesting issue, which is Activision Blizzard only found out when the EEOC said something. So at least according to them, whatever they were dealing with for three years of investigation didn't lead them to look at the situation and go, hey, that person was on that call on Tuesday and they're on this call on Thursday. That's not a good thing. And since they weren't in a position to do that, you know, maybe the department has an argument. This is the kind of thing that needs to come out in investigations, why I think Activision Blizzard probably should be granted the right to pause this thing so that the court, among all parties, can get its hands around what exactly is happening here and whether there is actually a significant issue. The other part of this that's noteworthy is that this person did apparently function in an important capacity for the department on a substantive basis. Four depositions, six sets of discovery. That's a long time. That's a lot of legal effort. So this doesn't appear to be the case where I thought possibly the folks that left the EEOC left at the tail end of the EEOC's investigation, left at the tail end of the department's investigation, and maybe could have been split off by the court or some other party and saying, well, yes, this isn't right. Maybe they should have some malpractice hearings, whatever it might be, but it didn't taint everything. With this level of substantive work, if they did do work at the EEOC, this now becomes a much bigger issue because this is a significant conflict problem if they were involved at the EEOC, as the EEOC has said in a formal legal complaint. Or as Activision Blizzard puts it, if counsel used the information that they gathered at the EEOC, which they would not have obtained but for their EEOC employment in the department's investigation then the entire investigation upon which this lawsuit is based may be tainted. The importance of conflict of interest, the importance of attorney-client privilege, the importance of non-disclosure is critical to a well-functioning legal system. And this might sound like a technical fault if you're not in that legal system, if you're not a lawyer, but I can assure you this is not. The baseline conflict of interest rules of a lateral moving between one agency and another, between an agency and a firm, between two firms, is the fundamental rule upon which legal ethics is based, that you must make sure that confidences are kept, that you aren't on both sides of an equation, as was made apparent when they tried to intervene with the settlement agreement that the EEOC says they worked on. And so this is an important issue that, if proven, really should have the results that Activision Blizzard is laying out here. Or as they say, this is yet another reason that this threshold issue must be decided before the case can be allowed to proceed. And that's the real important issue. The second issue here is with respect to the email about not getting your own counsel, which is important. It is. And I think the EEOC and Activision Blizzard has the right of it. It shouldn't have been written the way the department wrote it, but it's not nearly as significant as the conflict of interest issue. As Activision Blizzard says, the potential violation of Rule 111 is more than enough to justify a stay of proceedings, but there is more. California law makes clear that individual employees have a right to their own counsel related to government anti-discrimination enforcement actions, such as this one. In any civil action, the person claiming to be aggrieved shall be the real party in interest and shall have the right to participate as a party and be represented by that party's own counsel. California law further prohibits attorneys for a governmental party to provide advice to an unrepresented party whose interests may conflict with the government's clients, except to the extent that they advise the person to secure counsel. And again... We're in a conflict of interest status here, and it's a little bit hard for a lot of people to see. Heck, it's a little bit hard for lawyers or baby lawyers in an ethics class to see. But there are times when you can be aligned with a party. The Department of Fair Employment and Housing ostensibly wants to get affected women at Activision Blizzard paid, wants to punish Activision Blizzard, has the statutory backing to do it. But any given woman might disagree with what the state of California is doing, how they're doing it, the strategy they're pursuing, and might instead say, actually, I'd like to take whatever money the EEOC is giving me. I'm perfectly happy to waive whatever rights I have. I want to put this behind me. Any number of other reasons. So the state of California that wants to adjudicate this, wants to push forward, is opposed to even allowing the EEOC to gather that $18 million and share it with the women affected. And that's a conflict doesn't make anything wrong in and of itself, but it does mean that they shouldn't be putting out emails that say things like, hi all. We also wanted to follow up and alert you that you may be contacted by private attorneys seeking to become your attorney for this case. It is unnecessary and may be misleading or confusing. A private attorney would have to file suit in your name or get the court's permission for you to intervene as a named plaintiff in this matter. Please let us know if any attorney attempts to solicit your business for this case. So what I think they're trying to say here is not the worst message in the world. Hey, when folks see this in the Washington Post or the LA Times or wherever else they might see it, lawyers will come out of the woodwork. That's what lawyers do. They're all around you right now as you're watching this video. And if they see a chance to potentially represent someone for a big payday, chances are you're gonna get a phone call. You're gonna get an email. You're gonna get a solicitation. And so here, the department's saying, hey, it's unnecessary. And what they mean by that is... You probably aren't required to have your own counsel, certainly not to participate in our litigation, but they shouldn't be using language that suggests that it would be misleading or confusing, or they'll only do you harm. This is effectively legal advice. You don't need any counsel. And so the EEOC calls them on it. I think this could have been written in a way that says you will still be proceeding with the litigation without counsel. If you want to go get your own counsel, absolutely go do it but you don't need it to be a party to this litigation. That's a better way of saying what California was getting at. I think probably a court can see that. So this is a little bit of an angels on the head of a pin argument as opposed to the 111 conflict of interest argument. But it's still necessary to go and call out the state of California for making these kinds of communications. It says, as Activision Blizzard, yet this email appears to do just that. Provide legal advice to unrepresented persons whose interests may not be aligned. With the interest of the sending attorney's clients here the department. In fact, professional conduct rules assume that individuals with legal claims are better served by having lawyers acting in their interest rather than by being unrepresented in light of the real- reality that private parties typically benefit from having legal advice from a lawyer who is loyal to them. One of the things that I have to do in my daily practice is talk to companies and tell them, in many instances, that I represent the company. I don't represent Founder X, even if Founder X is the party that I'm having the most communications with because companies are just legal fictions. You have to talk to a person, a company can't send an email on its own. And so it's very easy if a lawyer isn't careful for people to get confused about who the client is. So when there are circumstances where maybe the partners are fighting, maybe there's some other issue, maybe you're going to sell the company. I have to say, look, this is where I stand. The company is my client and here's how that advice proceeds. If you want to analyze this document for yourself, we can get waivers. We can do other things to address that conflict of interest, or you can get your own legal counsel, which is often advisable. And this is a significant portion of legal practice. This is known by everybody who does law. So this isn't a footfall on the part of the department. It's just a question of whether they were lied to, whether they didn't want to admit that this was something happening, or whether they truly believe that the folks involved didn't work substantially at the EEOC. Activision Blizzard continues, Indeed, the value of independent legal counsel and the prohibition on attorneys advising unrepresented parties are particularly acute when the interests of the attorney's client are not entirely aligned with the interests of the unrepresented parties. Here, the party's interests are not entirely aligned. Whereas the department plainly wishes to proceed against Activision Blizzard on a host of claims, individual former employees of Activision Blizzard may choose not to, either because they have not experienced harassment or discrimination during their employment or because... They simply want to put the matter behind them. They also may prefer to resolve claims through the EEOC consent decree, which is opt-in as the EEOC describes. If you don't sign up for whatever amount of money the EEOC is offering, you don't waive anything. You just didn't go and get that money in exchange for a waiver. So each individual affected woman at Activision Blizzard can make her own choice. And this is what the EEOC is objecting to. Let them make that choice. And California says, no, they shouldn't be allowed to. Continuing. Furthermore, in the federal court proceedings initiated by the EEOC against Activision Blizzard, the department has taken efforts to block the EEOC's negotiated consent decree and thus prevent individuals from resolving claims that properly belong to them, even if that means that the individuals will not obtain any resolution for years. The department's opposition to the federal settlement may be a result of politics, or it may be due to the fact that the department now is permitted to seek fees and costs related to its litigation efforts, whereas the EEOC is not. Again, another line where you can see sprinkled throughout this document Activision seeing that bite of meat and digging in against the state of California. Hey, you know, this might be politics. It might be jurisdictional pettiness. Who can say, Your Honor? Or it might just be the fact that they're going to get paid. Hmm. As Activision continues, regardless of what is driving the department's maneuvers, it is clear that the agency and individual employees who stand to benefit now from the negotiated resolution of the federal case, which covers many of the same facts and employees as this suit, have different interests. Whereas footnote 8 says, after all, individual employees may wish to settle their alleged claims through established federal processes, may wish to negotiate directly with Activision Blizzard, or even may wish to file their own lawsuit. But the department is currently trying to prohibit any individual employee from availing herself of those options, while apparently advising individual employees not to retain private counsel in this matter. Now, this is a tilted document, right? This is Activision Blizzard putting forth their best argument against the state of California. Do I believe that the state of California was deliberately framing this out in the fashion that Activision Blizzard puts forth? I don't. But certainly the state of California, through footfalls of its own, technical issues with its own documents, for rhetoric that is included, as kind of political persuasion in their complaint document has left themselves open to this kind of answer. And I also think we're getting a bit of a preview as to what an answer from Activision Blizzard might actually look like, talking about politics. Who knows if it's politics, Your Honor? Talking about getting paid by the department and the department stepping in to prevent individual affected women from deciding to waive their claims for what one would assume is a substantial amount of money to the woman that would sign that waiver document. So Activision Blizzard complains about it, says, hey, we should get a pause here. We should be able to investigate all these things. You've got a bad actor in California that might be breaching ethics rules, conflict of interest rules, certainly rules about talking to prospective class members about whether or not they should retain their own counsel. And the only right thing to do, Your Honor, is to allow us to look into these issues that were just presented to us just recently. Total surprise to us, says Activision Blizzard. All that said, Activision Blizzard does not have all of the facts and recognizes that the department may have further information and explanation for its conduct and email communications. Hey, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So let's investigate. Limited discovery, including, for example, the list of recipients of the email and the department's relationship to those recipients to determine whether the department may indeed have entered into an attorney-client relationship with such individuals is critical to a complete and thorough assessment. At the same time, discovery into whether the department has sent other Similarly, misleading emails to the putative class, the proposed class, is equally critical. As you'll note, the email begins with, We also wanted to follow up, suggesting that the department may be engaged in other improper communications with these individuals. For the foregoing reasons, Activision Blizzard respectfully requests that the court grant its ex parte application for a stay and enter an order staying for the proceedings in this case except to the extent necessary to permit Activision Blizzard to conduct limited discovery to determine whether a motion to disqualify or other remedies are appropriate and present such facts to the court. Now, that's their document. This is obviously a bombshell type document from Activision Blizzard relatively late here on October 19th. But a lot of folks come into the comments to these videos, otherwise in my social media and ask me, hey, what's the impact of this? And I want to say... If the entire Department of Fair Employment and Housing isn't allowed to prosecute this case, that doesn't necessarily mean that the case can't proceed. Activision Blizzard doesn't get out of doing bad acts solely for an ethical problem with counsel, but it might put things back at the drawing board, especially if the court finds that the entire investigation itself was tainted. You saw here reference to a motion to disqualify. And I've pulled up from the legal malpractice law firm, a website talking about what that looks like. Now they're interested in selling you malpractice services. Don't worry about that if you're not a lawyer, but they put a pretty good summary of what happens here. It says the effect of the granting of a motion to disqualify opposing counsel does not necessarily give rise to a legal malpractice claim, although it might. The initial effect is, of course, to eliminate the adversary's counsel of choice in the case and force them to obtain new counsel. And that new counsel should not be allowed to have the benefit of the thinking Of the disqualified lawyer. In the disqualification process, communications between the old and new lawyers should be prohibited. So you're essentially not allowed to eat of the fruit from the poisonous tree. If there was a conflict issue, then at bare minimum, everything that happened after that conflict occurred, when the folks moved over from the EEOC to the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, would likely be tainted. Does that affect things that happened before? It's unclear. And if it's imputed to the entire department, what does that do to the rest of the investigation? Bare minimum, it would likely bring the prosecution of this case, the original complaint, everything that we've seen since this summer, back to the start of the proceedings. Would it mean that they would have to reinvestigate Activision Blizzard? It's unclear. Because I can't think of a case similar to this where an entire state department would have to say, well, we were tainted. Someone else has to investigate it on our behalf when the state of California has given us the sole mission of pursuing these kinds of claims. So would the California attorney general come in? Would a different department take over? So, so many questions arise out of that. But I want to make clear that Activision Blizzard, if they did wrong, it doesn't suddenly go away. They don't suddenly have a get out of jail free card. Nobody can ever prosecute them again on the things that might otherwise be accurate in California's complaint. It just means that... Legal ethics rules weren't followed. And if you want to bring that complaint, potentially if you want to investigate them again, you'd have to go back to the drawing board or at least to the place before the conflict of interest took place. Does that conflict of interest exist? That's a very good question. Certainly the million, billion, and trillion dollar question at the center of this case. And certainly we'll be following it here in Virtual Legality. We hope you'll be following it with us. If you enjoy discussions of Activision, Blizzard, business, and law of pop culture, video games, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon to support us. We've also got other ways to support us listed below, or just subscribing, telling your friends, posting it in forums, on Reddit, on threads, wherever else you might find yourself. Every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.